Good evening, and thank you for joining us. Tonight, I will be closing out this week's series entitled, God Loves You and There's Nothing You Can Do About It. I'm excited to do so. I don't know about you, but I've been encouraged by the messages that have been put out so far. And if you haven't watched all of the series, please go back and do so. Uh, collectively, they have painted a pretty good picture of God's love. Let's pray and let's ask God to be in our midst tonight. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness toward us. We thank you, Lord, for your great love. We thank you, Lord, that you never change, oh God, that we can count on you to be consistent, Lord Jesus. We worship you this night, Lord. We invite your presence into our midst this night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Be in our midst, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my co-workers, Joyce Allen, Desi Lugo, and Meg Ahmed-Poor, shared with us compelling analogies and word, telling us the truth about God's stance on love. God's love was compared to that of a parent-child relationship, a relationship that we can all relate to. Whether our children are healthy or sick, well-behaved or outright terrorists, we love our children. And when does that love begin? Well, I submit to you that that love begins even before the child is born. Expecting mothers often eat all kinds of stuff they don't like just because they want that child to be healthy. We take vitamins and we endure all kinds of medical exams and frequent checkups to make sure our baby's well. Parents have even been known to change their lives for the love of a child. Maybe they let go of some bad habits because they want to be better examples. And, and it doesn't matter whether the child is born healthy or perhaps the child is even born with some defect or some illness. Joyce shared her story with you about that. Parents rise to the occasion. They still love their children. In thinking about this, I was reminded of how the love for my own, born, my own unborn child affected me. When I was 25 years old, I was living quite ungodly. And the realization that I was about to bring an innocent child into this world whose life would be affected by the choices that I was making terrified me. My love for her as a broken human being overrode the pull of sin. Love is powerful, even in the broken. That love compelled me to sacrifice everything that I had known, everything that I thought I loved. I wanted to protect her. I wanted her to have a good life. I wanted her to be blessed. So even in my feeble attempt of extending love, that love brought about change. So I'm talking about what a parent would do for the love of a child. Keep in mind that God is our father. Right, uh, What the child does or doesn't do, it doesn't diminish that love. How many of you uh, have been in a situation where you have done your dead level best to instill in your child godliness and to raise them in a good way? And that child grew, uh, grew up and they, they have no regard. They have no regard for what you instilled in them. They have no regard for the love that you uh, have poured on them and, and all the good intentions you have. And in fact, they... They look at you like, like, please, that means nothing. And we don't throw them away. 
we, we, you know, we still love them, even if they don't choose what we want them to choose. Even if they, if they don't choose right, we still love them. We may hurt for them. We may get angry at the choices that they make. We hate their lifestyle, but we still love them. They're still our babies. And this past week, we were also presented with a gut-wrenching look at uh, the human struggle that Paul outlined in Romans 7. Uh, Paul expressed his battle with sin, our battle with sin. And like us, he found that the things he didn't want to do, he did. And the right things that he wanted to do, he didn't. Paul ends his whole rant about this battle of flesh and, and spirit with this statement, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? Well, I am so glad that Paul knew the answer to that. The answer to that is none other than Jesus Christ, God himself. His love will free us. In Romans 8, Paul continued to obliterate the lie that the enemy of our souls has constantly assaulted us with. The lie that says that we can lose God's love. That we can somehow tear down that which we did not build. That sin separates us from God. That is a lie. And he ends it, uh, the chapter in Romans 8 by emphatically stating, I am absolutely convinced that nothing, Nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. Because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Now you probably said, mm, I haven't heard that version before. Well, that was the message version. And I read that on purpose because we get so used to hearing it one way. And maybe sometime a, a different translation will give you a different take on it. He says, no. Nothing can separate us from God's love because of the way that Jesus Christ, our master, has embraced us. How has he embraced us? Jesus has embraced us fully knowing who we are and what state we are in. And he has chosen to embrace us with who he is. Love. Love drew him closer to us. Love drew him to us. It didn't cause him to run from us. In fact, it was our mess that set him on this mission in the first place. It was this sin that we battled that caused him to come down and rescue us, to restore us, to set us free. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Jesus, um, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came into the world for you and me. And not only did he come, but while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Think about it. He didn't come into the world find out how wretched we were and say, whoop, I'm aborting the plan. No, he was steadfast in his commitment toward us. He went to Calvary to shed his blood, to, to die for us, to take away our sins, to make a way for us. In fact, you ought to be shouting right now because what this really means when, when he died for you and I, John 15, 13 says that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I'm going to read that one more time. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. God has expressed his love in the greatest possible way. He died for us. And in doing so, he paid the price for our sins and broke down the wall of separation between us. 
his love drew us closer. Now, I'm not going to oververse you tonight. I'm telling there's so many verses in the Bible that speak to his love, so many stories, so many scenarios, so many letters that speak of his love. And I'm not going to bombard you with that because a lot of those, believe it or not, they're familiar to you. But instead, I want to spend the remaining time that I have tonight getting right down to where we live. We live in the exceptions often. We often live in the exceptions. We read God's word. We we hear all um, of these verses and somehow we still get into the yeah, but type of thing. I know God loves me, but yeah, Pastor Leela, but and even though we've heard that God, uh, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, somehow we still have a hard time really internalizing that for, for us. Somehow we're the exception. And you know why that's so difficult for us to do? The main reason, I think, it's my opinion, is that we, we can't seem to disconnect our behaviors from who we are. We have a hard time disconnecting our behaviors from who we are. Let me tell you that your sin is not who you are. It does not define you. Sin is, is a condition that we all battle. It is not who you are. God knows how to see beyond that. And so let me get back to this, this way that we think about exceptions. Because right now, I'm sure somebody is listening and they're going, yeah, but. Yeah, Sister Lil. No, she don't know my situation. Oh, my sin is so horrible. He could never love me. So uh, I'm going to come to you right between the eyes. Some of us need it like, like that. We can't have it sugarcoated. We got, you know, we needed this thing, you know, right outside our heads. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to deliver today because I want you to be free from that lie that tells you that anything is between you and God. All right. So I'm going to go to some of the things that in our society, we call them the worst. You know, we have that way that we always want to put a hierarchy on sin. You know, which ones are worse than others. I'm going to go to some of the worst you know, in our thinking tonight to let you know that you are not the exception. In fact, there are no exceptions. God loves us and there's nothing we can do about it. So if you're a murderer, he still loves you. Oh, if you're a pedophile, he loves you. If you lie, cheat, steal, he loves you. If you don't want him, he wants you and he loves you. If you are gay, he loves you. If you are transgender, he loves you. If you are racist, he loves you. If you have repented, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with his spirit, living a lifestyle that's pleasing to him, he loves you. If you're a devil worshiper, he loves you. If you hate God, he loves you. Now, I don't know if you got something lower than some of those things. And, I, and when I say lower, I mean in our way of thinking. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you, if you have something, you say, eh, even with all that, right, what I'm dealing with, 
separates me from him. It's a lie. It's not so. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You may say this woman is crazy. Well, I assure you, I am not. I believe God above all things. He loves us and there's nothing we can do about it. You didn't earn it and you can't lose it. You didn't build it and you certainly cannot tear it down. While we were yet sinners, Christ got, died for the ungodly. That's what the scripture says. He expressed his love for us in our most wretched and undeserving state. You never did anything to deserve it in the first place. He will not take back his love, period. Does he hate our sin? Absolutely. Do our choices and the horrible things that we do to ourselves and others, do they grieve him? Yes, but he still loves us. Is God okay with us embracing sin? He is not. He's not okay with that. But therein lies the rub. And what I mean by that is we have an issue understanding the difference between God's love and God accepting our wrong choices. We, we make them the same thing. We, we say that if God loves me, then he will accept my lifestyle and my choices, whatever they are. Uh, and if he doesn't accept my lifestyle or choices, then he doesn't love me. That is simply not true. That's not true. Our choices, well, yeah, they will impact uh, the kind of relationship we'll have with God, but not whether he loves us or not. That's a fixed point. For example, when we live according to God's word as his children, there are times when we receive his approval. You know, he kind of gives us a good job. Every, every child loves that from a father, from a parent. But there's other times when we get out of line and we will receive his correction. Both are expressions of love. Tough love, still love. So let me leave you with this one verse. Remember, God is love. He is love. It's who he is. And I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to approach that verse with that in mind, that God is love. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verse 7 says, love never gives up. Remember, God is love. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. This is the God that we serve. This is, this is a glimpse of who he is. He never gives up. He never loses faith. He's always hopeful and his love endures through every circumstance. You can count on God. His love is fixed. God loves you and there is nothing, nothing you can do about it. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, the powerfulness of your love, Lord Jesus, the eternalness of your love, that it was here before us and it will be after us. Your love is fixed. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God, to overcome the voices that want to attack us, oh God, and tell us that you don't love us, Lord Jesus. When those voices come, help us to smack it down with the truth of your word, Lord Jesus, to walk in the knowledge that you do love us. Yes, you require of us. Yes, you require change. Yes, you want to transform us. But bottom line is you love us always. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God, to reciprocate that love. Help us to love you back, Lord Jesus. We worship you this night, Lord, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for coming for us, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for not allowing anything to separate us from your love. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed and have an awesome evening.